Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! I think everybody was probably just relieved to have a low-scoring game, uh, regardless of the outcome. And uh, for Knoxville, hey, it was a nice gutsy win against a, a good team that's going to be going to the playoffs in Evansville. So Knoxville gave up two goals early. Scott Curtin on a rebound attempt that looked like it bounced off and out in front of Christian Stead. Curtin was there and was able to flip the puck back on net early into the game. And then just under the 10-minute mark, Andrew Schufeld, a really nice redirect uh, after Pierre-Luc Lorette shot from the left point. Schufeld got his stick on it. It changed directions on Stead. Probably could have gotten away with holding his position and relying on his glove side to go to the far side post. Instead, he kind of makes a shift. Puck ends up beating his blocker. And that's just a goalie trying to react to the puck and a, a shooter taking advantage of that with the redirect. And a really good shot. Stead almost got to it. Instead, it's a 2-0 lead early in the game. Bailey Conger, after a big keep-in by Vincenzo Renda, scored from the right circle to make it 2-1 late in the first period. So Knoxville kind of takes a bit of momentum back with Evansville still very much in control of the game. Uh, they had had you know, some, some high-quality chances that they were generating. They had 22 shots on goal in the first, and they had a 2-0 lead until Conger's goal and so I think for Evansville, they still felt pretty good about what they were doing on the ice as they shot out, outshot Knoxville in every single period and then continued to push in the second period. They outshot Knoxville 14-8. to Knoxville really didn't look like it had a ton of chances, and then the penalties started to pile up for Knoxville uh, there in that second period. And so Evansville unable to convert on the power plays. Knoxville had a couple of chances that they couldn't cash in on and until Justin McDonald scored at 17-20 on the power play with that one-timer from the right circle. And then 28 seconds later, Waxen Engback, Rasmus Waxen Engback scores from the left circle after Christian Stead fights off a two-on-one. Nick Price and Cameron Huff, they do a good job at working the puck in transition. Price fights for the puck in the corner, slides it right back to the circle where Wax just tees off on it. And so I, I think opportunity for Knoxville and, and a team that at several occasions this year, have scored back-to-back -back goals really quickly. But what was different about this particular instance is sometimes when Knoxville has scored back-to-back -back goals, or even in some cases three goals in a really quick span, they haven't been able to hold on to that momentum, or they've given up a quick response goal. They didn't do that. They, they scored two goals late in the second period, take a 3-2 lead, and then hang on the rest of the way. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Knoxville set up some really good opportunities. Cam Huff nearly scored from the right circle in the third period. But when Knoxville really needed to, it killed off two more penalties in the third. I didn't think any of the, the calls were necessarily bad. I don't remember Mitchell Perry, the referee. I don't remember him calling another game for Knoxville this year. I'd have to look it up for this season. Maybe one other game at the most. But I was not too familiar with him. I thought for the most part, he just kind of called it as it was. I didn't, I didn't see any penalties against Knoxville that I really had a huge problem with. I thought... Um, you know, it was kind of obvious. I, I thought you know, there were a couple of misses both ways. I didn't think there was anything noticeably crazy. 
And talking to Tommy Pecorero, Evansville's broadcaster, he kind of felt the same way. He thought it was called relatively evenly. Um, and and kind of and, and he was very complimentary of Christian Stead for the night that he had and also kind of putting it on Evansville for not taking advantage of more of the high-quality chances that they had throughout the course of the game. So I, I thought it was ultimately decided by the players, which is the type of game that Knoxville wants to play. And obviously there was the controversial call at the beginning of the third period where Knoxville's trying to kill off a penalty, and then shortly after it expired, there's a goal for Evansville that was immediately waved off by Perry and Christian Stead was bumped in the crease. And there was an there could have been an argument made that um, I believe it was Brandon Harrogate that bumped into Stead, that he was pushed into Stead. And I think there was definitely contact between those two players, but the bump was pretty noticeable. I could have seen an argument for or against it. And Tommy said the same thing. He said it was probably going to come down to whatever the call on the ice was. He didn't seem, he didn't seem too bothered by it. I, I think, that's kind of just the way it is. I'm sure Evansville fans and players are bothered by it, having that goal come off the board, especially in a one-goal loss. But it's a high-quality hockey game. I think there are some things that Knoxville wants to tighten up, and watching them in practice Wednesday morning, you could see Brent Clark very, very adamant about taking care of the puck, especially in the defensive zone. And that's something that is going to have to be cleaned up, and Knoxville doesn't want to see 51 shots against the you know throughout the postseason. They don't want to see that again this year. So... Hopefully that is something that Knoxville is going to be able to tidy up on. But Bailey Conger, Justin McDonald, Rasmus Wax, and Engback, three unanswered goals for Knoxville after falling behind two to nothing early. Uh, it was just the fifth time all year that Evansville had lost a game when it had scored first. I believe they were 21 and four. And not only did they get the first goal, they got the second goal as well. So they had a two nothing lead on top of that. So a team that normally protects its leads very well um, is, you know, that was a gritty win for Knoxville to be able to rally and come back from. So the all SPHL awards ballot. So I'm going to go into my ballot and kind of detail some of my picks. Um, I I'd probably do mine a little bit differently than other uh, voters in, in the ballot. So the way that the voting works in the SPHL is each team is given two ballots. And so the head coaches are sent the ballots and then they can designate another member of their team uh, a staffer, a broadcaster, a general manager, um, even a beat reporter. So, you know, for example, Peoria has Dave Aminian. I don't, I don't know if Dave fills one out or not, but theoretically, Jean-Guy Trudell, Peoria's head coach, could pass it off to Dave Aminian, who's not an official employee of the Rivermen, but has been covering them for a long time. Uh, and, you know, so he obviously would be a representative of Peoria. So the rule is, is that you cannot vote for players in your own team. So, I give out this disclaimer and I emphasize it because I don't want listeners that are listening to this podcast right now hearing me go over my ballot and thinking, why don't you have any Knoxville guys in your ballot? Because I'm not allowed to vote for them because I am an employee of the Knoxville Ice Bears. So please, just saying it again in case you fell asleep for 30 seconds. I can not vote for any Ice Bears on my ballot because I'm not allowed. So... That's uh, I'm just saying that now so I don't catch flack for it from fans later or listeners. But uh, so to, to kind of go into all that, uh, this is what we've got here. You have an all-SPHL first team, an all-SPHL second team, and an all-SPHL rookie team. Each of those teams includes a goalie, two defensemen, three forwards. Pretty straight and simple. Uh, you vote for the MVP. You vote for the rookie of the year. You vote for the coach of the year. And then whichever defensemen and goalies receive the most first team and second team votes, it's tallied up like a point system. 
That is how the league uses that formula to determine the defenseman and the goaltender of the year. So last year when Jason Price was the defenseman of the year for Knoxville, it wasn't that fans were voting or that voters were voting him the defenseman of the year. It was enough people voted him on the all SPHL first team, second team, whatever, that he was then awarded the defenseman of the year. So that is how those two individual awards are decided. It is by the all SPHL first team and second team uh, votes cast throughout the course of the league. So we'll go top to bottom. We'll start out with the MVP. Uh, I had Garrett Milan, uh, Pensacola's captain, the forward as my most valuable player. Um, and for him, you know, it's it's a, another solid season. He's been a big contributor for Pensacola for a long time. 69 points this season, um, 26 goals, leads the league with 43 assists. Uh, he's been really, really solid. He has 12 power play goals, four game-winning goals. Um, a, a player that is very dangerous and is very good with the puck on his stick. He can make plays, really good stretch passes that you know, just always seem to find their target in proper scoring position. So Garrett Milan's my MVP, especially with um, Pensacola being in seventh place right now, trying to hang on to that seven seed. They could potentially fall to the eight if things don't go well for them against Peoria and Fayetteville is able to pick up wins against Macon. Um, so I kind of look at it as, you know, where would Pensacola be without Garrett Milan? And they've had some other good players that have had really good seasons this year. Yvonne Bondarenko has had a career year. Mitch Atkins has had a solid season, was just named the SPHL Player of the Week. But as far as somebody that really contributes both in the goal column and the assist column, not just a guy that can set up his teammates, but can be the guy that has to go out and get the big goal when needed, um, I thought Garrett Milan was really, really valuable for Pensacola this season. And if if Kevin Resop, Quad City's goalie, could have gotten the storm into the playoff chase, I probably would have given him the nod because of how good his numbers were up until the last two weekends where he, you know, kind of had some one-sided losses against Peoria and and you know, they couldn't get that series done against Fayetteville that ultimately knocked him out of the playoff hunt. But I, I thought with his lack of goal support, he was essentially keeping Quad City alive through the month of March. Um, and, and so, you know, obviously couldn't really justify it as much with quad city, not being in the playoffs. And I, and I, and plus I think Garrett Milan's had a really stellar season. He's probably going to play this weekend. He's probably going to pick up at least one point I would think. And you know, I know Justin McDonald's got 75 points right now. Last year, Alec bear had an 80 point season. It, we have, it, it had been a while before we had anybody reach 70 points in a season before last year. I believe Berkeley Scott was the last player to do it the year that he won the MVP as an ice bear. I guess that would have been in 2018, Jeff Carr's first season as head coach. So, you know, we're, we're seeing better players these last couple of seasons after the whole, you know, the COVID shortage obviously prevented a lot of players from being able to get to the 70 point mark that possibly could have. And then a shortened season in 2020, 21. So it had been a while, but uh, still, what we've seen this year, we've seen some really talented players for multiple teams, and I think Garrett Milan has been very, very good for Pensacola this season. The rookie of the year for me was Austin Alger from Fayetteville. Uh, leads all rookies in points by a fairly significant margin. I thought Brendan Harrogate was really good, but at the same time, Austin Alger, you know, he's, he's probably going to end with a 50-point season, and he's helped Fayetteville, you know, hold off Quad City for a playoff push. Uh Pretty disciplined player, too. Really effective on the power play. Um, is good being able to distribute the puck. I, I liked his game a lot. There was a lot of there was a lot of focus on Drake Glover. I know the last time that one of the last times that Fayetteville was in Knoxville, you know, Drake Glover was kind of on this tear. 
And Austin Alger was able to kind of take advantage of that by taking focus away from Glover and being able to to do some good things offensively for Fayetteville. Um, even though Knoxville was undefeated against the Marksmen at home this year, I, I still think Austin Alger always proved to be problematic for Knoxville, and I'm sure it's been that way for other teams in the league this year as well. Coach of the year, I have Craig Simchuk, um, and I, I think it's a uh, you know I kind of think it's a runaway to me because um, it, it, it's I know that they right now odds are not necessarily in their favor that they're going to hang on to first place. They would need Peoria to drop games to Pensacola, and then Birmingham obviously has to to contend with a tough Evansville team that just beat them last week. So that that's not going to be easy. Um, but when you look at what Craig Simchuk did, he's already doubled his win total from last year. They had 18 wins last season. They've got 36 right now. And with two games still to play, they were in ninth place last year, missed out on the playoffs, and it was not particularly close. And, you know, at one point last season, Knoxville shut them out in back-to-back games. On You know, the day before and the day after Thanksgiving, Jimmy Perita, when he was player of the week, back-to-back shutouts against Birmingham. And, you know, it was just a team at times that couldn't find offense. Uh, their defense was really, really porous. And this season, you know what, we, we all knew they were going to be a lot better and I'm sure there were some people that thought, hey, they could be a sleeper to be one of the top seeds in the league. But this is still a really impressive run. Like 36 wins. I know that when you look at the league record that Knoxville set last year is 42. Once you get to 35, you're you're talking about being one of the better real contenders in the league. And right now they're playing the best hockey out of everybody. This is a crazy stat um, across the, uh, the SPHL right now. For every team in the league in their past 10 games, Birmingham is 8-1-1. Fayetteville is 6-3 and 1. No other team has more than 5 wins in their last 10 games. Nobody is playing consistently right now except for Birmingham. Peoria has only 5 wins. Huntsville has only 5 wins. Roanoke has only 5 wins. Evansville, Knoxville only 5 wins. Pensacola only 4 wins. Macon only 4 wins. Quad only 3 wins. With the exception of Fayetteville, Birmingham is the only team in the SPHL that has more than five wins across its last 10 games. And so Birmingham is not only, even if they don't earn that number one seed, they're playing better hockey than anybody else in the league right now. And I know that Macon nearly got them last weekend. And yes, they lost a game to Evansville in overtime. They have been really, really solid for the past six weeks. They've been really consistent. They've played great hockey. And... Craig Simchuk deserves a lot of credit for the recruiting that he did. He brought in really good pieces over the offseason. He completely restructured the defense. He has had some really good additions, like Taylor Brierly has been really good. Troy McTavish, I think, has really emerged into a much bigger role this year. I really like what he brings to the table. Michael Gillespie's been phenomenal for them this season. So I, I think I, I think it's a runaway. I think it'll be a landslide. I think Craig Simchuk, for the job that he's done, Birmingham's easily the most improved team in the league. Um, and so even if they don't win that number one seed, to me, I think he's the coach of the year in the SPHL. The all-SPHL first team. Uh, so for the goalie, I have Trevor Gorsuch from Evansville. Originally, I was not going to vote for him uh, because he has played significantly fewer games than everybody else. Now, the minimum requirement for a goalie to be eligible for postseason awards was 20. And so, yes, Trevor Gorsuch has played 23 and... I, you know, originally I wasn't going to vote for him because I thought, well, it's almost not fair because you have, you have so many goalies in this league that have played over 30 games. And you've got a bunch that have played like over 35. Like Eric Levine's played 34. Austin Rodebush has played 39. Kevin Resop has played 38. It, it's a little bit easier, I think, for a goalie to be able to have good averages when you've played fewer games. But the thing is, the margins are so significant for Trevor that 
you kind of have to look at the body of work that he's done. And he's been Evansville's workhorse for the last two months. I mean, Zane Steves, I think, has only appeared in two or three games since the end of January. And so after Steves was the guy, I know they started with Henry Johnson on opening night, but Steves was kind of the guy for most of the season until Gorsuch came back from the ECHL, and he actually took a call-up earlier this week. So uh, we'll see if he's back for the postseason after he got loaned to Wichita. But a 226 average, which is the best in the league, a 936 save percentage, which is far and away the best in the league. It's not even close among qualified goalies. And despite playing fewer games, he's sixth in the league in wins with 15. And so just based on the win percentage alone, if he had the opportunity to play more games, he'd probably pick up more wins. And, you know, he's he's faced a, a decent amount of shots for having played significantly fewer minutes. He, he's actually faced more shots than several other goalies that have played the same amount or more games than he has. So I, I think so Trevor Gorsuch got my vote um, and kind of swayed it late, um, even before I saw him in action for the first time in person this past Saturday. Um, and I think what he's done for the second half of the year has been really, really vital for Evansville because it's really anchored down everything that they were doing. And talking to Tommy Pecorero before the game on Saturday, he said, you know, lately for us, it's been our offense. We, we've needed to get things in gear. Um, we've struggled a little bit at times to be able to really have a scoring outburst, but they've still been keeping in that playoff chase and battling for good playoff position. Trevor Gorsuch is a big reason why I like what Evansville does defensively. Their, their neutral zone trap is really good. They pinch. Well, they make it difficult to break out. It, it's not just Gorsuch, but he definitely deserves a lot of credit for the job that he's done. Um, defensemen. I have Zach Wilkie and Nick Neville, both from Peoria. And you know, normally I don't like picking two guys from the same team, but at the same time, if, if you believe that they're the best two in the league, then they're the best two in the league. And that's just kind of the way I'm going to vote it. Um, obviously they're the two highest scoring defensemen in the league. But on top of that, Zach Wilkie has a plus 42. Um, the, the record is plus 46, which Zach will not be able to break for the regular season after he suffered an injury um, over the weekend against Roanoke. And so really hope that Zach is uh, well soon. Nick Neville um, could be in line to win his second Defenseman of the Year award, which would make him only the second person in history to win that award twice. Mark Van Vliet, the former Ice Bear, is the other. Um, and, and plus, he's got a plus 22 rating as well. But for Zach, it's also the balance of how good of a scorer he is from the blue line. He's really dangerous on the power play. He's dangerous at creating scoring chances, um, anchors the back end well for Peoria, but he's also not afraid to to get dirty and to play physical as well. He kind of does everything for Peoria back there. Um, and and I, I remember, you know, just in the games that Knoxville played against Peoria this season, if he had the puck on the perimeter, you're, you're kind of a little nervous if he decides to let it rip because of how good his shot can be. So I've got the two Peoria defensemen on that first team. Uh, the the first team forwards, I've got Garrett Milan from Pensacola, obviously, since he's going to be the MVP, for me anyway. Um, I've got him as my MVP vote. For the other forwards, I've got Cy Nutkovich from Huntsville and Michael Gillespie for Birmingham. And Gillespie has the, the second highest point per game average among qualified players this year. He's averaging nearly 1.6 points per game. He has 59 points off 27 goals and 32 assists. He's only played in 37 games this year. So he's missed a lot of time. I know he was banged up at one point, had a stint on the IR. So it, he has been a guy that has been so lethal. And, and, you know, he was the player of the month for the 
uh, October, November, whichever, I think they combined the first two months of the year, but their first player of the month award went to Michael Gillespie. And I think there was maybe a little bit of, of speculation on that because he had that six point game against Vermilion County and Birmingham had a lot of games early against the Bobcats before they ceased operations. But on top of that, he's just continued to be really, really good for Birmingham. And he's had a great season. Um, I hope he stays healthy for the playoffs because it's it's obviously going to be a lot better if the best players in the league are in there. Um, and so to me, my justification for that too is, you know, he's the only player in, in the top 10 among forwards in terms of point leaders that has played fewer than 40 games. And in some cases, you know, he's he's beating guys that are that have played over 50 games or that haven't missed any time at all. And so for me, if, if he's got even just six more games to play, to work with, you know, we're probably talking about him having a, a 65, 67 point season. If he hasn't missed any time at all, we're talking about him challenging Justin McDonald for the Kevin Swider scoring award. So I, I think Gillespie has more than earned the nod. And then my third forward is Tyler Piacentini from Huntsville. Huntsville's captain, um, arguably the most dangerous player in the league without the puck on his stick. The way that he moves and finds open ice. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, I think the the phrase was, you know, great players know, you know, what to do with the puck. Great players are where the puck is going. So it's, you know, to me, it's all about what Tyler Piacentini does to get into open space to find the puck. And he's bit Knoxville on the backside more times than one being able to do that. Uh, plays the game hard. You know, he's he's a pest but I mean that as a compliment. You know, there are some players in this league that I'm sure fans are thinking of right now that don't appreciate the way certain opponents play the game, that they're a little pesky, but not necessarily in the right sense. I really believe Tyler Piacentini does it the right way. Um, he's a really solid player, is willing to be two-way, um, could probably play center if Huntsville really needed him to. Obviously, he's flourished as a winger, but to me, there's a reason that he wears that C on his chest even though there have been other veterans that have been there longer. So Tyler Piacentini, for me, who's having another great season, um, especially just taking on more of a leadership role. I know he was the captain last year, but when you consider that Nolan Kaiser's gone, and, and so now you've got to be better up front because your back end just takes a serious hit. And obviously, Huntsville's reloaded. They've had a solid season defensively, but you know, Nolan Kaiser is not an easy defenseman to replace. And I think Tyler Piacentini has, has deserved a nod on the All-SPHL first team this year. Uh, so my second team, I do have Kevin Reesop as my goalie. I kind of explained that earlier as to why. Uh, for defensemen, I've got CJ Valerian from Roanoke and then Alex Kilcheski for Huntsville. I, I think both of those guys, their, their numbers aren't necessarily going to stand out as much um, from an offensive standpoint. Um, and, and the reason why I've kind of gone in this direction for these guys is because... For Kilcheski, I, I thought he was a good contributor offensively, but it's also what he does on the back end, using his length the right way. Um, as a pretty physical defenseman, he only has 23 penalty minutes. So I, I think that goes to show the skill that a, a player is able to possess when it comes to showing what they can do for their team. And then you have to scroll. If you're, if you're sorting this out by points, you have to scroll a little bit farther down to find Valerian, but he's a plus 19, um, a good defensive player that, isn't going to necessarily score a lot of goals. Obviously, he had a big one that really hurt Knoxville at the end of February when he scored that game-winning goal with about 30 seconds remaining back in Roanoke. Um, but I, I think he's been a steady defenseman for the rail yard dogs, and it, it kind of just depends on the way that you look at it because if you're going by just points, okay, that's fine, but 
to me also, what is a defenseman's primary job? Well, it's to keep the puck out of your own net and to make sure that your your goalie's being protected. And I, I think C.J. Valerian does that. And it really, Roanoke's whole system is very defensive and goaltender friendly. But that's the benefit of being able to flourish in a system that emphasizes, hey, we've got to be solid defensively. And Roanoke obviously is capable of scoring with just about anybody in the league. Um, but I thought Valerian was really good and just based on the eye test and what he's been not just as a defenseman, but especially as a rookie, I've been really impressed with what he's done this year. So uh, forwards for the All-SPHL second team, Cy Nutkovich from Huntsville, Alec Hageman for Peoria, Rob Dara for Huntsville. I know that's a lot of Huntsville guys on the first and the second team, and a lot of Peoria guys too, but Nutkovich continues just to put up crazy numbers and continues to be that that threat, especially this year. He's been a great setup man with, you know, tied for the lead league, in assist, a 60-point season for him, stays out of the penalty box. I, I think he's been, I, I just think he's continued to be that staple for Huntsville up front. Rob Dara, it's the same thing. When, when you've got these two centers that can anchor your lines, and you know, Dara, especially when it comes to scoring big goals, and kind of like Justin McDonald, you know, set him up in the power on the power play from the right circle. He's got 10 power play goals this year. He's got six game-winning goals this year. Um, we, we've been seeing it for years with Rob Dara. I think he's really solid. And, and so he's got the nod on my second team. And then with Alec Hageman, he just had a monster weekend. So now he's up to 60 points again this season, um, continuing to score goals, obviously loading up the penalty minutes. Do, you know, he does the things that he does. You could say what you will about him. And I'm not saying that, Hey, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a fan of the way that he plays the game, but it, you, you've got to be able to credit a guy that can do all the antagonizing and do all the stuff that he does while still being able to put points on the board. Because you've got to admit, there are not a whole lot of guys that can do both of those things. And you you can think of any player from any team that you want. Guys that maybe annoy you. But Hageman, if he's lumped into that category, he's the best offensive player out of all those guys. Especially this season, where he's one of five players with a 60-point season with two games remaining across the board. Um, so Hageman's got another nod for me. Uh, going on to my rookie team, I've got Connor O'Brien from Fayetteville. I think he really helped turn Fayetteville season around and helped them solidify a playoff spot, especially with the injury to Jason Pulaski. I, I thought Connor did a really good job at helping Fayetteville on the back end, especially since they've had a lot of roster turnover. At one point, they lost 10 games in a row this season, and the goaltending situation for Fayetteville had to change, and it, it, they've been able to do that over the last few weeks. So credit to Corey Melkert and his staff for being able to figure something out to at least give them a fighting chance because you just got to get in. And you know what? Fayetteville, if they end up facing Peoria in the first round, whether it's as a 2-7 or a 1-8, keep in mind, they had third-period leads against Peoria this year. That That is not a cakewalk of a 1-8 matchup, especially with Peoria losing Zach Wilkie. They've only won five of their last 10. Fayetteville playing a little bit better right now, coming off a really big momentum-building series win over... Quad City to clinch a playoff berth. I, so I, I really like what Connor O'Brien's done. Uh, CJ Valerian's one of my two defensemen. Taylor Brierley, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast for Birmingham, is the second. I thought he, he's been just a really solid defenseman for Birmingham all year. Austin Alger, obviously, I've got him as my rookie of the year. So he's the first forward that I have on the list. Brendan Harrogate, who has been really essential, a, a really good pickup for Jeff Bess's team in Evansville this year, is on my uh Rookie team as well in the forward spot. And then my final one is uh, Caden Cahill for Peoria. I thought he's been a, a really good player this season. I thought he's contributed in a big way for his team, a plus 20. So, you know, helping keep his puck out of the net 
isn't on the ice for a lot of goals against. Uh, it's a really solid rating there, and, and you're going to see that from Peoria across the board. They have a lot of guys with really high plus-minus ratings, and, and there are plenty of other guys that are going to be up for consideration here. I mentioned Troy McTavish, who's been really good. Um, for Knoxville, even Jagger Williamson, I think, is going to probably get some consideration when you consider he's got um, uh, 40 points this season, a plus-14 rating, and I, I think it's going to come down to you know which rookies stood out the most and it also kind of depends on who's voting on this for different teams is it coaches and assistant coaches is it broadcasters you know who are guys seeing the most of um because some people might just look at the numbers some people are going to look at what they remember on tape some people are going to do a combination of both I try to do a combination of both um but I thought Caden Cahill was just a really timely goal scorer for Peoria this season and he had some big goals against Knoxville this year it seemed like every time Knoxville played Peoria Cahill had to score. It just seemed like that was the rule. Um, so I, I think so win or lose, you know, I, I think he actually, you know, the one game that Knoxville beat Pura this year, I'm pretty sure Cahill scored in that game too. So um Caden Cahill, I, I thought he had a solid rookie season, especially doing what he did in only 42 games this year. So something to and I know he had a call up at one point as well. So uh just something to kind of keep in mind as we await the tally on those ballots. So uh that's everything that I've got for my SPHL awards ballot. The Kevin Swider Scoring Award is a quantitative award, so it is not voted on. So it really just comes down to who has the most points at the end of the regular season. And right now, Justin McDonald has a six-point lead on Garrett Milan from Pensacola with two games remaining. So, you know, unless Milan has, you know, a monster weekend against Peoria, which is going to be tough, um, but at the same time, not impossible. And then obviously we'll see if Justin McDonald's able to add to his total as well. Uh, it would It would likely mean that, Justin McDonald would bring Knoxville its first scoring title since Berkeley Scott uh, swept both the MVP and the leading scorer awards back in 2018. Uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Really appreciate you listening and following along. Again, hope to see everybody for RC Racing Night this Friday, the final home game of the regular season. Um, it is looking more and more likely, while we do not know Knoxville's opponent or Knoxville's seed yet, um, it is looking more and more likely that the Ice Bears are going to have a home playoff game on Friday the 11th. So, uh, or excuse me, Friday the 14th. Uh, so kind of be on the lookout for that when we solidify dates. But it, it's looking right now based on the three possible opponents that Knoxville could see, Evansville, Huntsville, and Roanoke, and then the three possible seeds that Knoxville could claim after this weekend, the four, the five, and the six, um, it looks like just about any scenario is going to lead to Knoxville playing a home game on that Friday. If Knoxville does earn the four seed and is hosting that playoff series, uh, it's likely that the Ice Bears would host Wednesday, play an away game on Thursday, and then host on Friday. The Civic Coliseum, the ice will not be available for Saturday and Sunday for that first round, uh, which is why that's that first round series for Knoxville, if it were the four seed, uh, would have to cram all of those games in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, but for one thing we we do know right now is that Knoxville's more than likely playing a playoff game on Friday the 14th. So be sure to clear your calendars, clear your schedule for that because Knoxville has played really well with some of its biggest crowds this season and the fans have been integral all year. It's been a, a record-setting season for attendance. We have so much to be thankful for when it comes to the Ice Bears fans. So thank you so much for everything that you all have done to make this season a lot of fun. Obviously, it's been, you know, there's been more wins than losses, and hopefully there's more wins coming up throughout the month of April. But 
It's been a lot of fun this year with a very high-scoring team and a lot of really fun wins at home. And so we hope that you'll continue to pack out the Coliseum with the postseason coming up after this weekend. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening to the Knoxville Ice Beers podcast. The regular season wrapping up this week. The playoffs are right around the corner.